Today, we are so excited to welcome you to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter. We have a special guest today and so excited about it all the way from the motherland, Kenya. My brother beloved, Titus Matruri, whom I met in 2018, a scientist, a baseball enthusiast, and I am so excited to hear what we will share today. Um, So tune in, and I promise you, you will be enlightened, invigorated, and most of all, hopefully, we will inspire you in some sort of way. Clatter, chatter. All right. Can you hear me, Titus? I can hear you quite clear, Reverend Cooper. Very good, my brother. So happy to uh, see you. Thank goodness for this technology that we can be connected uh, internationally. And I could see you so clearly and can hear you so wonderfully and just excited. If you would uh, just introduce yourself um, to those who are listening to this podcast today. And I will certainly share how you struck a chord in my life and I have sang your praises ever since that fateful day in December of 2018 at Kenya Methodist University. Thank you so much, Reverend Cooper. My name is Titus Mutweri. I am an assistant lecturer at Kenya Methodist University. That is university in Kenya, definitely. And I work in the School of Medicine and Health Sciences and specifically in the Department of Medical Laboratory Sciences. I am a scientist in the making. I'm not yet there, but I'm impressed with what I'm doing and what I've done up to now. And it has been a fantastic thing to do research and also to teach students in the Faculty of Health Sciences and also to do other staff on the side as the president of the Baseball Federation of Kenya to encourage young people to keep on uh, doing baseball, playing baseball, and mostly doing it in a Christian perspective. This gives me a lot of joy, and I'm happy to be doing exactly that. Wonderful. So let me just share with the audience of how I said in one of your lectures, you presented your scientific research in 2018, December of 2018, at what was the annual scientific research symposium, I suppose, at Kenya Methodist University, known as KEMU. And uh, your research was around uh, encouraging Kenyans to have pets, in particular canines, to sort of uh, mitigate um, disease spread amongst canine fecal matter as it was uh, coming into the ground and, and the ground would be um, uh, where the, the cows and other livestock would consume and not really um, having the access to uh, what it would take to eliminate that, that waste of the canines. And so your suggestion was why not do as our American folks would do and to adopt pets 
rather than having uh, dogs running wild and, and controlling the spaces in which they would defecate. And I thought that was just uh, amazing research in terms of understanding ecology and, and being good stewards of being great caretakers of all of God's creation, uh, all the, the, the creatures, large and small, and how humans could certainly uh, participate in, in that ecosystem. So I, I'm telling you, this was in 2018, and I remember it as if it was only yesterday. And here it is, uh, April 2021, and I've just been singing your praises. But... And because you are a scientist and you say you're a scientist in the making and, and because you are a teacher par excellent. And of course, we're going to talk about your passion with baseball because here in the United States, opening season was last week. Spring, spring, uh, season of baseball began and that's America's favorite pastime, if you will. Uh, uh, baseball, apple pies, and you know, that's sort of our, our legacy here in the, in the United States. And, and interestingly too, that baseball, um, in the United States was pretty much one of the leaders in terms of integration in sports with Jackie Robinson, uh, being the first, uh, black baseball player to move from the Negro leagues to the major leagues. And, and so I can't wait to have all of that conversation. We may have to have a conversation part two, but today, especially with your scientific information and, and knowing that we are in this pandemic of a lifetime and, uh, for me personally, I've been paying attention to Kenya, my beloved Kenya, uh, in terms of seeing how Kenyans and other parts of the world have really done a better job at mitigating the coronavirus spread, much more so than in the United States. Is there any way that you can share uh, what you've seen uh, in in that space and just give us some give us some hope because we are people of hope and and what do you predict or forecast or prophesy, if you will? Thank you so much, Reverend Cooper. One thing is animals were created by God and I love animals because I know man has a mandate right from the story of creation to take care of the environment. And what you're saying is true in Kenya. We have, just like in, in any other country, an ecosystem of humans, animals, and the environment living in an ecosystem and maybe there has been some interruption in this ecosystem that could have led to the emergence of the COVID-19 disease. We may not have all the facts packaged together for us, but this pandemic has taught us quite a lot as human beings and how we should relate with God's creation, how we should relate with each other. And for the story of the Kenyan, the Kenyan story rather, we have been hit hard uh, because besides the countries in the Maghreb, in the Northern part of Africa and South Africa and Nigeria, we come next and we have through lockdowns and through mitigations and through 
encouraging people to change their behavior, to change their perception, successfully gotten some wins. And as we speak at the moment, we are in another partial lockdown in some few counties where there is cessation of movement. We are in a curfew that is running from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning. There is no moving out. But the story of all this takes us back to the obeying the restrictions that have been put forth. And also as Kenyans, we have tried to encourage one another to go for the vaccine uh, because there has been quite some misinformation, if you allow me, but we are winning one person after the other. And when vaccination began, so many people were hesitant, including even some members of the medical fraternity. But as we speak now, people are actually going very early to the vaccination centers and quite a big population is getting vaccinated. First phase goes to the healthcare providers and the people, the frontline workers, the police, the teachers, and also the elderly, uh, 58 years and above. Uh, but I would like to connect this with the world that is now a global village. Ideally, what has come to us is that we must care about what every other person in every corner of the world is doing, is eating, how they are behaving, because no one is safe until all of us are safe. Just as we say in the good book in the Bible that the, this message has to be preached to all the corners of the earth and then the end shall come. Ideally, we need all to get the same message to get an adulterated message to keep ourselves safe because now there is interaction, the world, the global economy and through trade, people are moving from one continent to the other and everyone, it's like we are in the same house. We are only in different rooms and someone is in the kitchen, another person is in the bedroom. We must all ensure the safety of each person and then at that point, we, sh we shall celebrate. And what inspires me a lot is that it is possible to do this. It may not be the last pandemic, but once we get it right, then we will have known how to do it. And it's a call for all of us, Christians, non-Christians, people from other religions. We have a common goal to fight an invisible enemy and we have a common strategy on how we can do that. And I do believe there is a lot of hope ahead and thank God for platforms that have allowed us to continue. Even with physical distancing, we are together socially. We can communicate across continents. We can have real-time conversations. We can ask questions and get responses within seconds. And it's a great thing because we see you never know God prepared us for such a time as this. And if this was happening 50 years ago, it could have been more disastrous. But thank God for where we are now and for the hope that lies ahead.
Hey, man, you raise uh, some excellent points, especially understanding that finally, um, I guess the, the, the gift that we can see that this coronavirus has given us is connecting with our brothers and sisters around the world that even with the, the unfortunate geopolitics that sort of sets up divisions, one thing for sure that we know, in fact, is that coronavirus does not discriminate and it is not limited to time or space and, or country or continent uh, or community. All of us are affected in one way or, or another. And maybe the gift of all of this is knowing that if I hurt, you hurt. If you're struggling, I'm struggling. And collectively, we can, we can feel each other's pain at some, at some point in time. And it's amazing, uh, the distrust that has been shared around the vaccine. Um, and, uh, and it has a lot to do with human subjects, uh, uh, being tested as, uh, as, without permission. But, when we look at the patterns and those who are standing in line getting the vaccines, that's a wake-up call. That if those who have been in historical power are standing in line to get the vaccine, there may be some something to that. And uh, at least that's what we're seeing in the United States. Uh, I, I will get my second dose on Friday of the Moderna vaccine, and I'm excited about it. And I'm not exactly sure what's available in Kenya. Is it the AstraZeneca or the Pfizer or what? what's available uh, for you at this moment? Johnson & Johnson. In, in Kenya, because we are in the uh, COVAX, we are getting the vaccine through the COVAX facility, facilitated by the, the WHO. So we are getting the AstraZeneca, Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. There has been some a bit of information that probably has been coming from different countries. There was an issue in Europe, but it has been well received, in my opinion, in a number of the African countries and uh, people have been vaccinated. I'm getting my second dose on uh, 10th of May after uh, eight weeks break, uh, because we have we didn't have enough. So we got uh, around 1 million and then two departments of 100,000. And I think we have now around 1.2 million doses. So 600,000 people may be the first to benefit from that. But we are in a population of 48 million people in Kenya. The challenge that we have in Africa is that the vaccine is not enough. There are countries in Africa that may not get people in sub-Saharan Africa that may not get the vaccine until 2022, late in 2022, thereabout. And this is a call for the world as we have realized that we are in one piece. Ideally, there is a call to more production of more vaccines that will be enough for the world population. And once we get and hit herd immunity, then we will have blocked the possibility of mutations and the possibility of 
more mutant or variants erupting and definitely will be able to fight this uh, to pin down this invisible enemy. So what we need to campaign for now is for vaccination for everyone. Uh, wealthy countries should not only be happy because they have enough for themselves. They should be happy because the world has enough for everyone. And I think this is a call that WHO also has been giving. Uh, we should not get more than we need. There is no reason of getting more vaccines than the population that each and every country has, because that would also in some way show some bit of egocentrism and also uh, not too much care of that other person who may not have access. And that sacrifice is important. We learn about it from the scriptures. We are taught about that every other time. I think it's the high time that we do show it by giving everyone a chance. There is no need of having two loaves of bread when your neighbor has one or has none, uh, so to say. There is no need of someone hearing the gospel twice when there is a person who is unreached in a particular corner of the world. We need to concentrate in that other person because as Christ taught us, when one gets lost, he leaves the 99, goes to get that one and brings them to the fold. And after then, there shall be a celebration. Until everyone is safe, then we all are not safe. Amen. And you, hey, you, gosh, you just are saying, raising so many excellent um, points because um, there, there should be enough for everybody. And, and greedy, being greedy is a sin. <laughs> it's an abomination. And sometimes we skip over greed as a sin. Um, but, but in, in God's economy, we all have enough for what we need. And so we don't have to hoard, just share with our brother and sisters as, as need arises. But as you were talking, I want to just say this. We do know for a fact, and I was, I was looking this up so I could uh, be certain to quote it, but, um, in the United States back in slavery times, uh, it was in the late 1700s, I believe, 16, 1700s, there was, um, a Puritan pastor by the name of Colton Mather, Cotton Mather, uh, uh, from the East Coast. I believe he was in Boston, Massachusetts, and his congregation bought him a slave as a gift, if you can imagine that, human trafficking, being purchased as a slave. And, and this pastor, uh, Cotton Mather, named this slave from West Africa Onesimus from the Bible uh, from the Gospel of Luke, I think the name means loyal one. And so um, smallpox was a, a outbreak at this particular time. And Onesimus from West Africa had shared with the Reverend Cotton Mather that he was immune to smallpox. And, and basically, he shared a tradition that was used in West Africa, where they would rub the um, the infection of 
of another person onto the skin as sort of a transdermal release to build up antibodies. And, and that began to pique curiosity on how you would take the infection from another person and then transdermally place it on top of an open wound or something that that later became the development of vaccines. That 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 old practice of 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 putting an infection on someone as a way to build up antibodies became part of this whole study that uh, Robert Wood Johnson, who gave us Johnson and Johnson and and other um, uh, folks, took this West African practice and developed it to what we have today as a vaccine. And so what I'm saying is that we have these medical advances thanks to ancient practices in Africa. And and, and and so it's it's as if we need to make we need to give a thought to Africa. We need to give a thought to our brothers and sisters around the world, but to understand that sometimes we have to go go back to this Sankofa idea to go back so that we can move forward. And and if we're if we're going to uh I, I we'll have another pandemic, that's for sure, but we don't have to live in COVID nineteen uh, uh, any longer than us realizing that we are our brother's keeper, that we're in this together. Absolutely. I, I can't agree more. And the story and the history of vaccinology is quite interesting and how different vaccines have been developed. For instance, a part of the AstraZeneca vaccine was tested in Kenya. And though it's Oxford, AstraZeneca, we had subjects which, uh, who were tested rather through Kenya Medical Research Institute and uh, everyone contributes. We are same blood, the skin, everything else may be different, but ideally we are same people, God's creation, same blood groups, and we must learn how to be there for one another and it's impressive. I think the world has tried this time around to come together and be able to share resources and to uh, keep going. And coming to vaccination, uh, the story also of the, the use of the cowpox in a generation of um, the smallpox vaccine by Edward Gina back in the days and using the, the nine-year-old Phoebs, the boy, uh, as, as a guinea pig that could not have gotten the light of the day in such times, ideally, uh, because of ethical issues. Uh, but uh, the boy managed to be infected uh, with, with, with cowpox and got immunized against smallpox. And the story continues. I like what you've just shared. But if it were not for the sacrifice of that young lad, who probably didn't know what was happening, but I guess... A nine-year-old might have had an hint to uh, ask questions. Ideally, he led to a solution for the whole world. Now, almost 40 years back, smallpox has been eradicated. And I think it's through the sacrifice of some people who were able to go through that painful journey 
and what's the question is what sacrifice are we giving today what sacrifice are we offering to the world uh, in this fight against covid-19 uh, have we gone to any extent to miss out something maybe miss out your lunch so that someone else can have if you have the other day in Kenya we had the minister for health asking people to return the oxygen that they are keeping in the houses so that you can have enough in the hospitals why would you keep some more probably the patient that you and is already recovered you need to return that and save someone else's life so there is a question of sacrifice and i ask myself if, if jesus was living in our day today in our world today what would he do in such a pandemic what lessons would he teach the world and what can we pick from his life we have seen him multiply bread and fish to feed thousands of people we have seen him sacrifice his time when he stood talking to the samaritan woman to allow her some leverage to know more about life and eternity what would jesus do at such a point and this is a call that a question that we must must ask ourselves at this point because it is relevant amen and amen. and especially after we have um just celebrated the resurrection again and the ultimate sacrifice of good friday and how he um he 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 would make sure that the least among us would have access to healthcare and that through love to make sure that um all would be included in so many ways for health and healing uh and wholeness um and and that is that is and and to not make excuses uh uh we're all at the pool of Bethesda uh, waiting for this troubling of the water and uh the question is do we want to be made well and if we do we take up our beds we walk and we bring our brothers and sisters along the way to their wellness too because that's the that is the power of what Jesus the great physician the incredible teacher and the phenomenal scientist that and creator of the universe has has certainly given us and i i really appreciate all that you have have shared i want to uh pivot just a little bit because i also know that your passion is baseball and uh i i i do want to um just talk to you about that and how could we um those who are listening support that ministry that you have in making uh baseball in Kenya a fantastic pastime as well thank you reverend kupa one thing we learn from second timothy chapter 2 verse 4 to 6 is no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer and anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown 
except by competing according to the rules. A hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of crops. I quote this scripture because of the lessons and the core values that we pick from therein and to drive our commitment into sports. And one, our core values in baseball in Kenya, it was introduced by the U.S. Marines in the 1970s and has not, has not picked up so strongly, but in the last few years, we've tried to make it a household sport in every county in Kenya. Kenya has 47 counties. We are almost halfway now, and we are encouraging young boys and young girls to develop and integrate some core values in their lifestyle and at the same time play baseball to become committed to what can build their psychological state through participation in sports, to have respect for one another. I, I do believe uh, you probably from the states would know this better if this police officer who had his knee on Floyd's neck had respect for humanity, then I think that could not have, he could not have done that for nine plus minutes. Respect, encouraging the positive feeling towards team members and holding them in high esteem, encouraging admiration of good values and qualities. We encourage the young boys and girls to be disciplined, to have a camaraderie spirit of teamwork, and also to sacrifice, giving up something for the benefit of the team and for the benefit of each other. And when we play baseball in Kenya, we may not be the best team in Africa. Now we are ranked position six in Africa and position 62 in the world, but we keep on trying to become better every other season, but hoping that we can get more coaches who would help in development of baseball through a Christian perspective. Because the more you hold these boys and girls into the field, the more you keep them away from drugs, the more you keep them away from other vices of life. And when they keep developing that system of life, then they will definitely overcome the challenges, the temptations that they may find through their growth process. Kenya has got so many young people who are living in deplorable state. They don't have enough, probably food for themselves and for their families. And these young people, some of them would also be within very close or in proximity to the capital city, may pick up vices quite a lot. And we encourage and look for opportunities where we can congregate them, bring them together and keep them busy. And some of them end up becoming good baseball players or rather end up using their time in a more beneficial manner. 
we have had some visitors from the US sometimes to donate equipment, to donate used gloves, set baths, uh, because we don't have enough. We don't have a company that produces baths on gloves, I think in Africa, could be in South Africa, but uh, I'm not sure, but uh, which is thousands of miles away from Kenya. And uh, the boys may not afford to have with one item for themselves. So we depend on um, well-wishers and baseball enthusiasts from different corners of the world, from Japan, from America, and uh, such kind of places where the baseball is a favorite pastime and they have a number of, or rather sometimes more than what they, they, they need, or sometimes they have some more that they can share and uh, we really enjoy uh, receiving such gifts so that we can help the boys uh, not for any other purpose but also to donate them to the kids who may want to use them so we've we are praying that god will keep on opening opportunities to get coaches but not just coaches but also coaches who will add value in sport but also in the lifestyle of the young people, because at the end of the day, that is extremely important. We want to raise credible baseballers, uh, credible men and women who are baseball players and uh, who are worth a good name. Thank you. That's excellent. So <laughs> if, if we have, um, I'm thinking about, Next time I come to Kenji, I'm going to bring some baseball gloves. I know I can bring gloves. But th this will be a great project for those who are willing to support athletics, youth and sports, um, uh, baseball bats, gloves, bats, hats, um, whatever that we can, we can bring. Uh, I will, I will lean towards you. Uh, to keep me posted on on the needs when the season begins, how long the season is, and and we'll do our part to solicit all kinds of support. And you have my word that when I come to Kenya, and I hope it's sooner rather than later, especially after getting my second shot, uh, I, I am ready to get on the plane and travel internationally. That we will we will certainly um, bring those items and do what we can to uh, to to help underwrite. Uh, one of your teams, um, you know, I'm, I'm particular to girls, so I want to, I want to help underwrite a girls team, but whatever the guys need as well, uh, we will certainly, we will certainly do that because I am all for it again, you know, um, uh, sports has been one of the things in this country that in, in America that has sort of broken down the racism barriers. Um, my father, uh, who is now amongst the ancestors, played professional football. Never played football in his life, but uh, he, his passion was baseball. And um, he, he was known for hitting home runs out of the park. Um, but, I mean, that was his sport. And uh, he, he didn't get involved with the Negro Leagues. When he went to college, he was um, scouted out by the football coach because he was a big guy. And he wasn't on a football team. He was just a, what we called a country big old guy who worked on the farm. And, um, but it ended up, 
uh, uh, he ended up playing for the Denver Broncos uh, in uh, when they were uh, first established as a team in the early 1960s. Uh, I wear his uh, medallion, his football medallion, um, that he got in college in 1958. Uh, but baseball was his favorite sport, and I would love to do something to support Kenya in my father's honor. So, so you have my word. His name is also a prophet like yours, Titus. <laughs> his name is Joel, so I'll do that in his honor. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm happy that you mentioned that, and especially uh, the aspect of scouting, whereby sometimes I, I look at, I like looking at everything in the perspective of what Jesus was doing. And I see him scouting, looking for the 12. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> sometimes he picked, he managed to get a 12 who uh, did fantastic work for the church, the early church. And I have been talking to the MLB or other people who know people in MLB to try and give more opportunity to Africa because like Kenya, we have great runners. We may not have great footballers, but we have great runners and maybe we can convert some of these young people to become also great uh, baseball players. And um, MLB has come to Kenya, I think once or twice, but after some time they have not been coming. I'm still trying to encourage them to revisit that. There is talent in Africa and I believe we can have many more uh, uh, Jack Robinsons and <laughs> uh, would be able to make the world proud through baseball. Amen. Amen. This has been an amazing conversation. Let's do it again real soon. Uh, with the time difference of eight hours, I know how difficult it is, but I really appreciate you're taking the time to enlighten us here. And uh, I will let you know when this podcast will go. It'll, it should go up uh, later today, which will be tomorrow for you, uh, April the 8th. My, my brother, God bless you. God keep you and your family. I'm, uh, my blessings to your wife and to your children. Stay safe. You are a gift to the world. I am so grateful that God... Uh, intersected our lives uh it does not not yet appear where we shall be but we know that through faith in god we are going to do all that god desires for us to do amen and god bless you reverend cooper thank you very much all right take care my brother it has been a privilege a pleasure and an honor to have you join in with us today Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.